Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange, stories by leaders for leaders to help you to raise the bar on your own performance and to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's episode. Greetings, this is Hugh Ballou, president and founder of CenterVision Leadership Foundation. We started the Nonprofit Exchange about seven and a half years ago to bring really good skills and wisdom and experience and methodologies from the business community so that nonprofit leaders who are actually running a tax-exempt business can learn about good, sound business principles. And in 32 years of working with uh, all kinds of organizations, a whole lot of community-based charities, entrepreneurs, uh, mid-cap corporations, churches, synagogues, it's never once failed to come up that communication was a problem. So we're not going to cover all the bases of communication today. We're going to talk about some personal avenues of communication and a very underutilized way of staying in touch with your tribe, growing your tribe, keeping your tribe part of your tribe and keeping them engaged and just so many other things, maybe even expanding our tribe or people who support us, appreciate what we're doing and could support us more if they just knew what we needed. So my, my guest today is coming in from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, David Wax. And David uh, is going to talk to us about specifically handwritten, but we're going to couch it in the overall um, methodology and, and subject matter of communications. David, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange and tell people a little bit about who is this guy, David, who's talking about communications and why do you do it? Thank you so much for having me, Hugh. Um... So I've actually been in the communication space for the better part of my career, starting in 2004, when I started a text messaging company. And with that, we were sending millions of text messages a day to um, retail consumers, like people that would walk into Abercrombie and Fitch and Toys R Us and Sam's Club and all the rest. Um, and got sold that company in 2012 worked for the new owners for two years and what happened between 2004 and 2014 when i sold the company i realized i was part of the problem text messaging is great it's a tremendous way to get in the pockets of your consumer uh, literally uh, and they read it right away but it can also be an annoyance and even if they read it right away it's it's forgotten right away so then uh, the day after leaving that company, Sell It, I started my current initiative, Handwritten, thinking, you know, what is personal? Um, now the average consumer gets 140 emails a day. Uh, the average office worker, rather, gets 140 emails a day. They spend 24% of their time just managing their inbox. So email is now a chore. It's, it's a task on their to-do that they have to spend a quarter of their time doing. Then you add in text messages, guilty. I was guilty of that. You add in Slack and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these other electronic forms of communication. And eventually it all becomes noise. And what I wanted to do was figure out how to add handwritten notes to the available channels in a scalable way. When I sold the last company, I wanted to send all my employees a handwritten note. 
and I wanted to send all my customers handwritten notes because when I'd walk into my employees' offices or at home or my own office, anytime I received a handwritten note, I saw that not only were they read, but they were kept and they were um, treasured. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if I were to send my employees one and my clients one? And I sat down with best intention. And I, I just, you know, 10 in, I was done. My hand cramped. I was out of stamps. I was out of paper. You know, it was hard work. So I thought, what can we do to automate handwritten notes? And I'm happy to talk about that. But really what I'm here to do is talk about the benefits of multi-channel communication and how handwritten notes can be a benefit to that multi-channel communication and multiple touch points. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. No, no, that was a great answer. Um, and, you know, these are not advertorials for a business, but we do uh, encourage people to go. And your your website is handwritten with a W-R-Y. So it's H-A-N-D-W-R-Y-T-T-E-N.com. So just go, it's a beautiful website. It's informative website. You can learn more about David and what he does. But um, we want to we want to help. Not, we're, right, right. Our audience is nonprofit leaders and clergy. And I got to tell you, it's, it's very frustrating when people talk about communication as if it's an it. They talk about it. They don't do anything about it. Principally, I find because people misunderstand it, some of the time they don't have anything to communicate, principally because they don't think about what the specific messages could be. Mm-hmm. And what are the occasions that we need to have touch points with each other? So at CenterVision, we teach that leadership has a basis in in relationship. And, and as a second to that, communication has a basis in relationship. So it is a it is a form of relationship. And just like you, I remember when I got my first fax machine, that was magical. And then, oh, we got email, that's double magical. And then we got texting, we never took anything away. Although we don't, we don't fax as much, but back to the direct mail, personal communication, you know, we're still human beings and we have relationships with one another. So, so where do we start when we start thinking about how we build a communication systems for our enterprise? Where do we start? Well, I think there's some frameworks you should consider. Um, I call it the four C's, which is contact. So who you want to reach out to, that's C number one. Then you have cadence, you have content and you have channel. The channel is a hard one to remember because it's a sound and not a sound, but the four C's. Um, So with those four C's, who are you contacting? How frequently are you contacting them? What are you sending them information on and through what channel? So ideally, different consumers like to receive information in different ways and different content should be received in different ways. For instance, a bill or a renewal notice to up your donation. Maybe that's best served with an email with a link to click or uh, a weekly or monthly update on what's happening in your organization, your nonprofit. Maybe that's best served with an email or a printed piece. But then come the holidays and it's time to really truly thank your donors, maybe that's best served with a handwritten note. If uh, you know, if there's some last minute event that you want to get the word out on, perhaps that's that's best served with a text message or a, a push notification or a tweet or something else. So you really need to consider the four C's, content, contact, communication, and channel. And there's room in all of that for all these different forms 
of communication, all these different channels of communication. So um, I think obviously a great place to start is email. It's an easy way to build up your list. And if you can then get home addresses, you can extend that to print and handwritten notes and you, you kind of have everything. And what you really need to do as a organization is think about it holistically and then also build a preference center, which can be quite difficult because there aren't too many providers out there that provide email and text message and handwritten notes all at once, right? Like you have to go to one provider for one, one provider for another, and you know one for the third. So to build that preference center so that the user can log in and tell you exactly how often they wanna be communicated to over what channel can be, can be a difficult task. But I think that should be the end goal of any um, organization is really capture how your customers want to, or your, your donors want to communicate, your tribe. Yes, <clears throat> tribe is the, the global thing. And um, in nonprofit world, I've gone more and more to talk about supporters. Now there are people that are interested, but the people who actually step up with their time, their talent and their money, we call them supporters. And um, it's really important. You hit on some really key things in that short narrative. The, the frequency is, is really critical the specific message and then to whom are you sending it so let's let's and you know is it the right message to the right person and is it in the right frequency there's a rhythm to this i can tell you i'm 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 triple average because i get three times that 140 emails a day <laughs> even when i opt out it's still a problem and it's already gone through two really robust spam filters so, and then texting is getting worse and worse. And so you're right, we look at it then, where did I see that? And I don't know to go back to my phone and it's really not as personal. Now I served uh, churches from small to mega churches for 40 years as music director. And I determined that 10% of my job was music. The rest of it made music possible, 90%. Part of that was establishing effective communication programs. When you got 22 ensembles and 200 events a week and all and you're on tv every day you got to coordinate things and people need to know where to be and you know what they're supposed to do but in addition to to that kind of communication which we mostly did email back then um <clears throat> i would make it a point every day i had some nice stationery printed up with music ministry and i would write a note to somebody who actually had done something that i could say oh appreciate you doing this appreciate you showing up or something to be uh, affirm something about them, you would have thought them. I thought I sent them a gold certificate. Mm -hmm. um, it was like, and I got a thank you note for sending a thank you note. Yep. And so yep. that whole process, I found to continue building relationship. So, and I didn't. I just would do one a day to somebody, and very rarely did I duplicate. But we wrestle. I wrestle on this. How often do we send out? communications with people and um, some and how do we ask people how often and do they really know how often because we're the ones with the the updates we want to share with people so how do you come to this frequency you know i think with email and you know email is probably the one you can for lack of a better term kind of over communicate or spam to because if they don't want to read it they'll just click delete no harm no foul not ideal um but, you know, I would say email, you could do two times a month to once a month would be a prop, probably a good cadence. 
text messages, I would say that's a high alert item for most organizations. Um, when I was doing text messaging for my business, for, uh, for my clients, it was either sales, uh, it wasn't really nonprofits. I, don't, I can't recall a nonprofit we worked with, but we did a lot of sales or event reminders, stuff like that, really high profile or high importance, urgent notices because you're getting them, you know, you have to respect that you're getting them in their pocket. Um, handwritten notes aren't right for everything. For one, they're expensive uh, because you typically write that note on a nice piece of printed stationery. So any uh, bulk mail printing you do, it's always gonna be more than that because you have to take a piece of, you know, a nicer piece of print and write on it. So it's expensive for one. And two, you know, if you do it too frequently, it's gonna lose that wow effect. But I would say once a quarter to um, once a year would be kind of a good framework for handwritten notes. You know, we work with nonprofits um, that send a thank you note after a large donation, anniversary of a donation. Um, we work with a mega church, uh, the Canadian counterpart of a US mega church, and now we're expanding into Australia and EMEA. But with them, it's donations, it's birthday, it's holiday cards. Those really touch, um, personal touch points. Um, for another nonprofit, we do uh, we include with the handwritten note a um, donor envelope so they can return that back. So you know during big drives, they're working with us and sending out those um, handwritten notes. So I would say handwritten notes are the least. Maybe below that, you have regular print mail, which you could do monthly if you like. Uh, email, you could certainly do biweekly or monthly. And then texting, you know, is kind of urgent ad hoc notifications. That's kind of how I'd split it up. That's great. That's great. Part of um, our methodology at CenterVision is to encourage people to, to have a regular. Now, you've got different demographics here. So let's, let's segment the demographics before I go into this um, how do we stay in touch? So I'm a boomer and it's interesting. We, we, I'm gonna, we have a class in Dallas that's listening a communication class and they're, they're forming their questions for you. But um, um, their teacher um, is, is a famous philanthropist and teacher of philanthropy and has done a lot with teaching youth philanthropy. And we did a youth and philanthropy conference recently and it was led by millennials. The, the active part was led and the old guys doing the technology. <laughs> So there's an assumption because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a boomer that I don't mm -hmm. do technology. No, that's wrong. But, but, but most boomers have a different profile than I do. And that's just good to acknowledge that. So you're, you're, you're messaging. Texting is probably more effective with, with millennials who don't plan, you know, their schedule isn't planning two weeks out. Their schedule's 20 minutes out um, or two, you know, two, two, two minutes out but it's, there's a different methodology, a different protocol. So how does the handwritten, I, I'm a high value, I value this highly. It's, it's something I think is crucial that we need to cut through all the noise and get the message, critical message to the person that matters. So talk about the demographics or psychographics of the different generations or locations or whatever. Is there a difference in the kind of culture you're sending it to with the generations or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sorry for the dog barking. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll try to keep him calm here. Uh, the, you know, it's very 
it's a unique time. To your point, um, the older generations are just as good with technology as the younger, thanks to Apple and everybody for making everything so darn easy these days. It's accessible to everybody. Um, where we see, you know, and, and I don't know every consumer, but if you're going maybe more rural, um, you might want to tend towards print and handwritten notes versus more urban. You can go uh, on more digital. We work with some hospitals. Um, you know what? Give me one moment here. I'm going to let the dog. Go. All right. I so I just pause recording. We're back and we're back live. So. David. I'm very sorry. It's usually not bring the dog to the office, but there's some extenuating circumstances and he was behaving until he wasn't. These are live recordings, so go for it. We're um, so, uh, so anyway, so we work with um, some uh, hospitals that are, you know, technically a nonprofit and they're trying to get their customers, their patients in to use their Medicare benefits for their once a year routine um, checkups. And they can send them a printed letter, and that printed letter won't get um, it won't get read because it looks like a piece of junk mail. And then they can try to email them, and they don't check emails. But what they found is handwritten notes cut through the clutter for that demographic. Um, but other demographics, you, you know, uh, email and text. You know, if you're if you're if you're tending very young, I would say stick to text and social media channels. Um, it really is, it, it's hard to pin for any one consumer these days. And that's why I recommend really creating a preference center so that people can choose their own and, and, and kind of provide feedback on how they like to be communicated to. So if you can't create a, a preference center, perhaps just send out a survey and say, you know, we want to stay in touch with you. What channels do you prefer? And, um, you know, and then, then base it all off that. George Bernard Shaw um, was known for his really direct, pithy quotes. And he says, um, he says that the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has actually taken place. <laughs> so, so let's go back to, um, um, we're talking about the topic of communication and it's sort of like the topic of leadership. Um, there, if you if you Google it, you'll get millions and millions of results. And so, what is uh, you know, it, it's interesting in a digital world. I have a I have a computer. I'm going to print a document. I send it to the printer. The printer sends a handshake. I got it. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't have ink, it sends another notice. Oh, you're out of ink. We don't do that in real life. There's no handshake. I got it. There's no affirmation that communication has been received. So. What are some of the biggest um, illusions or faults in our perception of communication? Um, I think one of the things that people are now doing is they're discounting all communication as being automated. So the most sincere email, um, whatever, um, they know that that whole process can be automated so that nobody actually wrote that or typed up that email and sent it. I think that's probably a really big one. Um, people making this assumption and then sending the rude follow-up of, um, you, oh, you didn't respond to my email, just checking back. You know, now there's these email systems like Persist IQ and Reply IO and, and all these systems that 
send automated email chains. And then if you don't respond, it sends you another one that says, just making sure you read my last email. You know, I think it's kind of disrespectful because people, I mean, you know, I know it's a, a, a canned email that's coming out and then they're reminding me to read their spam. So they're spamming me twice, right? Um, so I think there's, you have to be very sensitive to the onslaught of email and print and everything else and keep stuff short. You know, um, when I was in college 20 some odd years ago, 25 years ago, they, um, they said, write your email so that you don't have to scroll it. And I think that's even truer today. You know, if you can keep it to a single paragraph um, or your handwritten notes, definitely. We have people sending handwritten notes that are like, you know, troves, volumes. And we say, no, 500 characters or less, make it simple. Um, so I think the length of the note is almost as important as the content because people are so busy. For one, they're used to the Twitter generation of 160 characters or less, which is a tweet, or it started as 140, but 160. Um, now they're really, you know, we're so strapped for time that if, if I were to send you the most genuine handwritten note and it went off more than one page, you'd consider it a homework assignment. So keep everything very short to the point, concise, um, get your message across. Usually with handwritten notes, we're just doing uh, sincere thanks. And you know, getting to your, your point, communication, a lot of communication these days is what's in it for me? You know, um, one of the questions, we work with businesses and nonprofits and all the rest. And the question we get is what's the ROI on a handwritten note? And my response to them is you're missing the point. When you have a handwritten note or most handwritten communication, it's to express pure gratitude. It's not looking for anything in return. So I say, send a handwritten note, full stop. You know, thank you, full stop. Don't respect, don't expect anything in return. Because if you expect anything in return, it's, it's insincere. It's not gratitude, it's transactional. Um, and I think as a society, uh, not so much communication wise, but as a society, We've become very entitled where, and that entitlement could come, like I just said, I sent you an email, why didn't you read it? Or it could be, yeah, of course you bought from me. I don't need to send you or made a donation with me. I don't need to thank you for choosing me, choosing my nonprofit out of the tens of thousands of other nonprofits you could have chose, you know, you could have donated to. I think there's a real lack of gratitude in our society and that comes across in every form of communication. With younger generation, there's this trend towards completely uh, ignoring faults in themselves and, and bouncing that back on the other person. So if I were a business uh, or a nonprofit and I screwed up and Hugh, you told me, hey, um, nonprofit, you screwed up, you, um, you know, put the wrong donation amount and debited my account too much or too little or sent it to the wrong place or whatever. Um, my response, which I find when I deal with the younger generation these days is, oh, you must have sent me the wrong information. You know, they bounce it back to you. As opposed to owning and accepting fault and having a little bit of humility, um, this is, another topic altogether, but there's 
you know, with that gratitude, you also have to have some humility, humility and accept fault. Sometimes accept fault, even if it's not your fault, you know, just that creates customers and donors for life. If you own the situation, when my, when my grandmother um, was, uh, this is, you know, this is going back 60 years or 50 years. When she was younger, she, she's no longer with us, but she made a brisket. We're, we're Jewish. Jewish brisket's a big thing. She made it. She bought a brisket from the grocery store. She made it. It didn't taste right. So she brought the whole brisket cooked in all with the onions and the gravy and all that back to the grocery store and they took it back. These days, nobody would do that, right? There's, there's not that notion of, you know what? Customer's always right. Donor's always right. It's always you screwed up or you owe me this business. There's no humility and there's no gratitude. And I think as a, a culture, we really have to reinstill that in all forms of communication. We'll get to test that when we go to the um, Bob Hopkins class with the young, young uh, leaders in, in Dallas. So I, I don't think they own that space because I would say old male boomers um, pretty much don't want to be told we're wrong. And so, you know, there's, there's a demographic of, Hey, it's not my fault, man. Uh, exactly. So there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff on what you talked about. It's, it's um, how do we continue building relationship and people will read your stuff. They'll listen to you. They'll respond to you. If there's that trust piece, uh, trust builds trust, right. and, you know, um, um, we overlook the obvious, the obvious is in, and you're right. We can't measure ROI on, on gratitude. Um, it's, if we can, it's probably measurable 10 years later or three or four years later when people say, you know, when you reached out to me, that made a big difference. Well, that wasn't the point. The point was we were grateful for your donation because it allowed us to do something which we should tell them. Mm -hmm. There's another George Bernard Shaw quote that comes to mind when he wrote his friend this long letter and he said, I'm sorry, it's such a long letter. I didn't have time to shorten it. Yeah. And we want to, we want to whine. We're too busy. We're overworked. I don't have time to do this. I'm going to send them the whole thing and they can pick through it wrong. They're going to put yes, it homework. aside. It's yep. going to be filed in that round file. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's going to be an afterthought if anything. So there's a, there's a, I encourage nonprofit leaders to have regular communications with their board of directors. And it occurs to me once in the year, we need to send them that personal note just so they know. And it's not about the work of the nonprofit. It's just, hey, it's some personal communication of gratitude because they're giving their time, their talent, and their money. Mm -hmm. Now, they're not giving it to you, but it sure is making your work better because they're there. Yeah. So I think that's a genuine place that I could see sending a handwritten communication would be terrific. And then the other supporters, I think at the same time, we need to give them an update on, you know, what's happening. So maybe, you know, the board knows what's happening. So we got a bunch of supporters that don't know everything is happening. So maybe quarterly, hey, here's what's happened in the last quarter and you made it better. Mm -hmm. And as a summary, and maybe just a QR code or a link they could go if they want to know more about it. Um, and then, then there's the, um, the donors. And I think they deserve to know that you've been good stewards of the dollars. Uh, and, and so just, and I don't think they want to hear about it every day. 
<laughs> I think once a quarter, semi-annually, yeah. I think once a quarter is probably good rhythm, rhythm because you're going to do an annual campaign. And if you've stayed in touch with them, then they're going to be more likely to continue as donors. If you said, here's what we've done with your money in, in a yeah. summary form, you know, go look at the website, but here's some highlights. And I'm sure we could put 500 characters. Twitter, by the way, is now allowing 280. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you, you know, you got to get down to what you want to say and you got to crystallize it. So I'm going to do a sponsor message here in a minute, which happens to be about communication. Um, and then if you're willing, I want to reach out to uh, get some comments from our, 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 our live listeners here. I don't see any comments on Facebook, but we sometimes don't get any, but I bet um, they're, they got some, some questions forming in Dallas, Texas, but one of the, communication channels that we have at, at CenterVision is we publish a magazine. Here's a friend, Frank Shankwitz, make a wish. He was a, a motorcycle policeman, I think, in Arizona. Yeah, make a wish is right down the street. Yeah, and he was the founder. He's no longer with us, but it was uh, he was on our show, and we did an, an issue about him. as a, He's a game changer. Oh, yeah. And, and it wasn't that he was a professional. Non he knew nothing about a nonprofit, but his heart moved him to want to do something um, to honor children who, who were passing with a terminal disease. And people got behind that. And it was, it was the thought leader. So we share stories. Here's the new army. We share stories um, that, that inspire and encourage leaders that are out there in the trenches. And so that's one of the channels. Um, and it's mailed in an envelope like this. And on that, there's the copy, the, um, here's the issue here. But we have a, an opportunity. And so what we've learned our sponsor for this is WordSprint. WordSprint's a mailhouse. They do the other kind of mailing, the, the print mailing. And they they find in, in two and a half million mailings over 20 years that it's the right message to the right person. You don't want to send an email to or a print piece to a dead person. And it's the right rhythm. So back mm -hmm. to your, your rhythm. You yeah. know, how, how often is often enough? So what we're doing is we're offering an opportunity for sponsors who want their message to go directly to an audience. It's the ROI on this is huge because all of these get open and your offer, if it's something they need and there's a card inside, they can drop it in the mail or they can scan the code and they can make an appointment with the, the sponsor. So if you want access to the third largest industry in America, if you want an access to one and a half million, we'll segment it to the ones you want, your demographic, geographic, we can, we can do that. So you can write on our mailing. WordSprint is our provider. It helps us stay in touch with our tribe. They can help you stay in touch with your tribe. WordSprint.com. If you want to know more about how you can make connection as a sponsor directly to these nonprofits, they generate and spend $1.65 trillion annually. It's not an insignificant market. So it's Hugh at HughBaloo.com. Email me. And we'll talk about the win for you, the win for the nonprofit, and the win for CenterVision, because it's got to be a win-win-win for everybody to benefit. So um, that's very similar to what you're talking about. You've got a niche that is so underserved, and people don't even think about this, and they think about how busy they are, they are when if they actually stayed in touch with people you might attract more energy that would help take some things off your plate if you built your leadership skills. So um, Dave, is it okay if we, we go out and, and ask for some questions from the people out there? Of course. All right. Um, let's go to Dallas, Texas, then we'll go to uh, LA. 
So Dallas, Texas, he's got his mic open. Uh, Bob Hopkins is the author of this magnificent book, um, Philanthropy Misunderstood, and Bob is one of our most regular followers. And Bob, are you in your classroom today and do you have some questions? Yes, I'm in my classroom with eight very bright students and we are taking the, my course, which is human communications. And this is so timely, David, because I have asked these students to write to their tribe you call them a tribe, I call them the circle of influence. Yeah. To ask yeah, them. To be, yeah, I like your word. To ask these people to be in your tribe. And um, yes. one of the things that my students, I'm going to introduce you to McKenna here. She's got a Somebody's got a phone, phone line open. Did you see that? Yeah, so, I can't. I, I'm on the phone, but thanks anyway. I'm, so that's Burke. Okay. Hi, Burke. <laughs> Bob, go ahead. Okay, this is McKenna. I was wondering if you could tell me the psychological difference in receiving a letter versus a text, especially in the category of military members and missionaries. Yeah, um, we see, now we automate handwritten notes, but handwritten notes are the last bastion of communication that most people don't think can be automated. And whether you automate it or you don't, when you give a, when you send a handwritten note or when you give a handwritten note, because I really think a handwritten note's a gift, um, what you're giving is your time. And what I mean by that, and this is an excellent question, thank you. What I mean by that is when you send a handwritten note, the perceived value is that you, the sender, sat down for five minutes thought about you and wrote out that note. You didn't just upload into a spreadsheet and, and send an email or a text message. It's, it's the last form of communication that still feels like it requires an investment in time. Um, and as our society, like I, before I got on with Hugh here, or when, when I got on with him, the first thing I did was I sat, I, it took me a good solid 30 seconds to shut down everything, right? I shut down my email, I shut down my Teams and my Slack, and I turned off my phones and all that, because nobody has concentrated time anymore. And when you write a handwritten note, you, you have to have that time and you cannot get interrupted. If you get interrupted, you screw up the note, you got to start all, start all over again, usually. So um, versus a text to military, um, you, you know, with, uh, with the handwritten note, the other thing is the physicality and just knowing that your loved one touched that piece, I think, um, I think means a lot. You know, the stamp, the, the texture of the cardstock or the paper or the envelope, um, you know, it is quote unquote touching. Um, people get that. But I, I really think the gift is the time. Um, with us and with you, you know, whomever, you can always insert something with that handwritten note. You can include a gift card or a return envelope or, or we work with Team Rubicon, which is a military nonprofit, and they'd include patches. And those are all great and good, but really the gift is the note itself, because that's what symbolizes the, the thoughtfulness and the time. Does that answer it? Yes, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. You want another question from over here? You want another question here? Oh, yes, go for it. I'm sorry. Okay, this is Carmen. Hello, my name is Carmen Michon. And um, 
I remember years ago when we don't have a phone, I used to, I have a common end question. I remember we used to, um, I used to write a lot. And when I received the letter from my mom, because I am from Bolivia, so from them to send me a letter, they take almost two months to get the letter to my hands. So I remember when I opened it, I used to read it every day, the same letter in case I missed something, you know, and I was so excited and so happy, you know? I wanna know because in that time we don't have a phone and we don't have uh, how to communicate there. And also I, I do not have phone either. But my question is, and uh, this, uh, now the technology is, is grow up so fast. And uh, now when they change, now I don't see people writing letters. I, I wish we can do that, but when they disappear this, Good habit, writing letters. When did it That's disappear? When did it disappear? And how we let it disappear, this beautiful habit of writing, especially us. We are all, I don't say old, but we don't write, we don't write either. I start no. writing. I know, I think there is, you know, it's our fault, um, all, our meaning, you know, any, 20 plus something year old, because now in schools, they don't even teach cursive anymore in a lot of schools, which I find crazy, at least in the United States. Um, I think there's a return to it, though. Um, you know, pen high end, and it's more in the high end, perhaps. But, um, you know, these high end pens, um, there's aficionados and magazines about high end pens. And you know, there's that luxe, um, high-end printed letterpress stationery that people like. Uh, but again, it's very niche. So what went from mainstay, you know, from everyday has become very special and niche. And I don't know how that happened. I think email is certainly probably the, the culprit. So maybe 20 years ago, um, 20 to 30 years ago, we started making that transition. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's tragic, but I think it creates opportunities for high importance communication or high valued communication, like happy birthday, or, you know, please donate. We really require your funds or whatever, um, to, to, to cherry pick those opportunities to use this old form of communication as, as it is, as it does stand out. When I receive a handwritten note now. And I think the average consumer only gets about three a month. When I receive a handwritten note, I save that as the last piece of mail to open because I've got the bills, I got all the bad news, and then I have the dessert, right? So I think a lot of people do that. And I consider handwritten notes almost like little gifts. So, you know, people ask us all the time if we can do postcards. And sure, technically we can do postcards, but it's missing the point. You know, with a postcard, there, there isn't that moment of who sent this to me, let me open that up and look. Instead, it's flip it over, read the dirty note on the back that's been destroyed by the postal mechanism. So it's a different, it's a different um, channel altogether, I think, postcards. But um, by leveraging the fact that nobody's doing it anymore, you stand out, you know? Just because everybody's pivoting digital, you pivot analog. And I think that creates opportunities for your communication in your organization. 
Thank you. Very, very good question. Bob, while you're queuing, let's, let's do another one. While you're queuing up, I want to ask David to talk about, um, it's handwritten, but you automate handwritten. Explain that, would you? Yeah, so um, what basically when I started this, I, I, I wanted to send out handwritten notes. It was too difficult at the time for me to write, you know, 10, let alone 100 or 1,000, or now we do 8,000 a day, 10,000 a day. Um, so the way we do it is we, we build robots. If you come here, um, we give tours of the facility. I love giving tours. Um, we have a whole area of the office dedicated to building robots. These robots hold real ballpoint pens. It's a pilot G2 ballpoint pen. You can pick them up at Staples. And then it writes out the note in the handwriting style of your choice. There's included variation in the handwriting. So two O's look different. You know, do you cross two T's with one crossbar or two? You know, um, L's at the beginning of the word are different than L's at the end of the word, that type of thing. Like we do all that variation. We vary the line spacing and the left margin to really make it look um, personal. And a lot of people do the smear test. So when they receive a note from somebody, they'll lick their finger and smear the ink. And sure enough, it smears. Um, you know, all of this has become much more critical in these days of COVID because so many people are still very isolated. And so when they receive something that's perceived to be handwritten, the impact is even 10 times greater. We work with an online furniture store, so not a nonprofit, but um, you know, I think it's still applicable 100%. And this online furniture store sent out handwritten notes to people that purchased their furniture. Um, they had people calling in crying, saying, thank you for the note. It made me feel so special. I think the crying is, is more to do with COVID and isolation, but it just points to the fact that people are desperate for, for connection and um, they don't feel those emails and text messages connect in the same way as old-fashioned communication. Love it. Love it. Thank you for that answer. Bob, do you have another question brewing? Yes, I do. This is Tori. She has a question for you. Hi, David. Um, what advice do you have for the younger generation to incorporate um, handwritten notes more within our lives? And is there any nonprofits that you might know about that might need our handwritten notes, maybe uh, prison ministry or uh, things of that nature? Um, we, thank you for the question. We, you know, I think it's so, I think quite frankly, you know, if you can write actual handwritten notes, every organization can benefit. Um, there's, and, and if you can't, write them, we can automate them. I think there's an opportunity to inject them, not to replace existing communication, unless you're sending some cheesy birthday card that's laser printed or something, uh, but to um, add to your existing communication uh, a handwritten component. I, I think that could benefit anyone. For veterans, we recently duplicated a very heartfelt note that a general had to, um, to the troops uh, still stationed in, in um, the Middle East. And what we did was we took that exact note and we duplicated exactly. So every stroke, every error, every, everything. And then we sent that to all the troops. Um, so that's probably the, the most similar thing I've done to uh, in-prison ministry. Um, <laughs> some of those tro troops probably felt trapped over there too. Um, but uh, I, I'm probably not answering your question, but I think most organizations could benefit from that real personal touch, um, which is missing in, in digital communication. 
I'm, I'm impressed with the maturity of these questions. And it, it's, As am I. you know, the, 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 um, the pace of the pack is the pace of the leader. So it's probably the inspiration of their professor. Bob, we got time for one more. If you want to bring a student up or ask one yourself. Right, I'm going to ask one myself. Um, first of all, I ask students, do you know how much a stamp costs? They have no idea. They start with five cents. And the highest they go is 32. No, nope. I think the latest is 55 or something like that. Yeah, you know, 55 and a dollar 20 international. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I send things internationally. I, I send my book internationally. It never arrives or it arrives a couple of months later. So I just don't even trust them international mail anymore. Am I wrong? It's very hard. Um, you know, for, you know, the international first class stamp. Um, the dollar twenty, which covers, like, I think it's like two ounces or something. Um, you know, to certain countries, whether that's Canada or the UK or Australia, yeah, you you can you can um, assume it'll get there. But I certainly wouldn't use it to go to Mexico. Um, in a prior life, when I worked at the text messaging company, my client was Sam's Club, um, and I went down to Mexico to meet with Sam's Club. And um, they said they couldn't use the mail because it just wouldn't arrive. And that had nothing to do with the US component or US to country handoff. It was just that domestic last mile piece would never get there. So um, that's certainly something to consider. Um, you know, the, the state of the country you're sending these notes to, if you're sending them to uh, Bolivia, I, I, you know, I'd probably, you know, count your lucky stars if it gets there. Right. And my last question is that um, on the, I require them to have business cards in order to hand out. And so what, what is, should be put on the business card? I tell them email address and telephone number. You don't need to put your address. And now I'm thinking if you don't put your address then people can't respond to you with a letter or a note saying thank you very much for whatever. What do you think about that idea? Well, um, if there's enough real estate on that card, I certainly think it's a good idea. You know, um, I think I think handwritten notes are so personal. If somebody wants to send you a handwritten note, they can always call you off that phone number on the card or email you and ask you for your address. I think that's honestly a very good touch point and a bond building opportunity. We do that a lot here. We'll just you know say, hey, can I have your address? And people will be taken back. Why do you want my address? And you say, well, I want to send you a handwritten note. And that the barrier comes right down. You know, oh, sure, absolutely. So, so that can be a conversation creation opportunity. Um, but of course, for your uh, students who are pa passing out the business cards, it's it's the other end. You know, the recipient of that needs to create that bond and have that opportunity to ask for their address to send them a, a thank you note or a glad we met note or whatever whatever it is. So, I don't think it's totally necessary, especially as handwritten notes are so rare these days. But you know, if you have the real estate, why not? Yeah. Well, the yeah. other thing that, you know, is, uh, sorry to interrupt my own thought here, is people are so tra uh, transitory these days that if you print up business cards, those might outlast um, where you're living, especially if you're a student. So maybe it doesn't make sense to throw your address on there. You'll, you'll take your email and your phone number everywhere you go, but your, your physical address could change yearly. So that could be a reason not to actually. 
Yeah, except business cards only cost nine dollars and ninety-five cents for two hundred and fifty of them. So right, right. Ditch them and get a new one. Exactly. Um, you always bring you always bring precious content to it, and so we're gonna let let you go back to your class. But we're gonna have a few more questions. So uh, thanks to Bob and thanks to all the students uh, for being here and being on the nonprofit exchange today. So um, um, let's um, you know. You, you you keep bringing up pretty big deal things here. Um, so um, I, I do think, Bob, you put you, you got out a business card. Somebody, I have business cards from years ago. And sometimes people move three or four times. Now, there's people that like to change their email addresses without doing a forwarding from the last one. And so that's that could be a dead end. But, you know, we have cell phones. We usually typically take them with us and we keep it for longer. Um, I do find that sometimes people want to send you spontaneous, but I also find uh, email. So that's a mer or mail mail. And that's also always good to get a surprise. But I also find, David, that every email I send has my physical address and email on it and phone number. And the cards I print have my all of that too. People still say, well, what is your address? I want to mail you something. And so people just don't pay attention to some of those some of those details anyway. So I do think you got a really good point. It's it's that personal, that personal connection that we're talking about, which is I think at the root of uh, root of all communication. It's you can't really transfer a thought directly from one person to another, but you can build relationships. So they not yet, not yet. <laughs> it's not tricky. Yet. It's tricky. So. Um, so let's talk about the content of your note and uh, this thing. Let's tell them everything. We're entrepreneurs. We're passionate about our nonprofit or our church or synagogue, and we want to tell them everything about it. We pile it in there and we put inserts in there and you send them this bulging package. That's not a good idea. And so, you know, what is the essential message and what's the perfect size and type of content that we ought to include in this type of communication? Well, physically, what we recommend is something small so that immediately they know it's not a chore, you know? Um, so, you know, unless it's some big surprise and delight moment, but we recommend a five by seven card or an A2 folded card, which is 4.25 inches by 5.5 inches when folded. So just a regular greeting card size card you, you find at a Hallmark. The other question that you need to determine at that time is do you want that card branded or do you want it unbranded? So what I mean by that is, do you want it to say thank you? Or do you want it to say, um, you know, whatever, ABC Church thanks you? You know, because that sends a different message. If I send you a card that just says thank you on it, that might almost be more personal than if I were to send you a card that looks like it's on some corporate stationery. That is a very... Um, that's a very personal decision to make. Maybe you do some A-B testing and, and send some on one and send some on another. I mean, obviously here we do stationary of all types for all, you know, for all people. So um, we can do it both ways. The next thing is the content itself. Uh, how long of a note do you want to write? We like to keep notes down to 500 characters. We find that fills a card more than enough. At 500 characters and you're on an A2 card, that's a full A2 card of writing or a full five by seven uh, flat card of writing. Um, 
and anything more than that, people might get turned off by in this, this day and age of, oh, that's too much. Quite frankly, you can get by with less than half of that. You know, you could get by with 200 characters of thank you so much for your donation. It really means a lot, a lot to our organization, or we just wanted to share this important bit of information with you or whatever that is, keep it very, very short. And then to your point, Hugh, include a QR code or a shortened URL um, so that people can get more information on the topic. Um, we, in the past, we have included little pieces of treasure, you know, whether that's a badge or a business card or a gift card. Um, and then in the note itself, we can also include uh, little calls to action, maybe a unique code that gets written so that somebody has unique access to an event or a website or something like that. Um, obviously, discount codes don't make sense, but uh, access, providing special access to people that have taken the time to read your note. And that can either be pre-printed or that can be just handwritten too. I mean, there's many ways to think about how to do that. Um, so th that is kind of the content side. Um, I would say, you know, we're doing eight to 10,000 cards a day. I would say 90% of what we do is thank you and birthday. Um, you know, the other 10% is anniversary of thank you. So, hey, you did this thing last year. We want to thank you for it. We want to thank you again. Or the holidays are just, you know, a blowout. We do a lot of holiday stuff. So, but um, with the nonprofits we work for, like Team Rubicon, which works with, um, and they're one of the few companies we can, or few uh, nonprofits we can mention, but uh, Team Rubicon works with PTSD vets to put them to work at disaster zones. So kind of think of a Red Cross type situation, but staffing it with vets that have real military experience. So what they'll send you is a five by seven card. On one side, there'll be a picture of some vets working at a site. So, um, you know, you'll see some vets digging trenches to remove floodwaters, whatever. And then the other side, there'll be a handwritten note from the director telling you all the good work that's going into the donate, you know, from the donation you did. And they do those about quarterly. That's a key point. That's a key point. You're, you're letting people know that you're being good stewards and their money is providing this value. So I think that's, that's a big one. So um, I'm going to share my screen for those watching on video. And this is your homepage of handwritten W-R-Y-T-T-E-N. So is this a sample on the front page that this is a sample of the card? Yeah. Yeah, that's a five by seven. Um, so that's a flat card. You know, we could logo with yours, header and footer and all that. Um, and then below our A2 cards, like that hello card, something like that. Um, and we do this, you know, for organizations of all sizes. So um, um, is it hand stamped or is it? Uh... it well, it's a real stamp. Uh, we use these um, mechanical uh, sealers and stampers to do it. But the end result is, yes, it's a stamp in the upper right corner. And you can do some designs and maybe a fold over card that's got a, a color picture on it. Of okay. course. Yep. All right. Now, on the website, we show mostly flat cards on the external because it just looks better on the website. But yeah, we do a lot of folded. So I know in December, when I get a number 10 envelope from a charity, it's got a donate and letter and it's boring. Mm -hmm. it's boring right. um so the 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 appearance of this the difference in size and they open it it's a surprise it's got a handwritten um address on the front you know yes. that does separate it and i just put these 
I put these to last because I don't want to read them. Yeah. Uh, and I know they're going to ask for money and I haven't heard from them all year. And so that's, that's the, the, the not so good communication. And everybody right. does it instead of having some of this distinctive. So um, David, this has been really, really helpful today to think about um, how we can do a better job of staying in touch with the people that care, but they could actually care more and do more if they knew more right. and they knew we cared about who they are in their opinion. So to me, that's, that's the big takeaway here is to be mindful of who you're talking to and what their preferences are. So you talked about that, I forget what you call it, that hub um, preference center. What preference center, yeah. So the idea, and that's, you know, that's a kind of an end state for an organization. It's, it's figuring out a way to allow users or donors or uh, your tribe to opt in for different forms of communication and, and opt out. So you're not annoying them, you're providing them the right communication at the right cadence, the right content, um, over the right channel, those four C's. So um, yeah, that's, that's uh, and we don't do that, but I'm sure there's organizations out there that help with that too. It's just, uh, you know, a good CRM or donor management system could probably assist there. It would, it would pay to have somebody, a super volunteer or a staff person, even part-time to manage that whole channel. Mm -hmm. because that's, that's an important area that really would pay for itself over time. And we can't do this and expect results in 10 minutes. This is something you need to carry on for a year or two for you to have really some 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 benefit that's tangible from it, which isn't the reason anyway. It's, the reason is to stay in communication and build relationships. I, I would call it top of mind marketing. We're just staying in touch with people so they're aware of who we are mm -hmm. and they're aware that we haven't forgotten them. So this has been so helpful. What do you want to leave people with today? What thought or challenge or tip do you have for us? I would just say when everybody's pivoting towards the digital, remember that the consumer really appreciates time. They appreciate, or the, the recipient appreciates time and standing out and sending any sort of handwritten note written by you, written by an intern, written by you know whomever else is a great way to show that dedication to the end recipient and to show an investment in time. And I, I think people need to consider it because everybody, all they talk about now when they talk about marketing is what's our Facebook strategy? What's our Google ad strategy? And nobody's thinking about what's their offline strategy. And I think there's a true opportunity to connect and to differentiate through the offline. David with handwritten cards, wax. Wax. Okay. Yeah. yeah, wax. I got it. I got it. <laughs> so no problem. Thank, you. thank you for sharing your wisdom, experience, and knowledge with us today on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.